0: Listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. Before we take a look at our scripture today, I'd like to invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com. And on our website, you'll find links to our bookstore, links to both of our podcasts, our blog, and a link where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Each Tuesday, I send out a newsletter with a word of encouragement and some content to help you in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to receive that each week in your inbox, it's free. All you need to do is just sign up on the website, desirejesus.com. You'll see the newsletter tab. Just click it, and we'll be happy to add you to the email list. Now let's take a look at today's scripture. This morning we're in Romans chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at the second half of the chapter, starting with verse 13. And no matter what season of human history you you live in, we I think we all recognize that this world longs for peace, but it's looking for peace in places that really can't supply the peace that it needs. Ultimately, the peace that we need is found through Jesus Christ. And in the scripture that we're looking at right now, the scripture that we're, uh, Romans 14, in this scripture, it talks about what it looks like to pursue peace among one another, even though we live in a world that's rather divisive. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans 14. And uh, again, I'll, I'll be reading from verse 13 down to verse 23. Romans 14, starting with verse 13. This is what it tells us. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the privilege that You have given us to be able to look at Your Word together today, to be able to spend time together worshiping You, to be able to glorify Your name today, and to give You thanks for who You are. And Lord, we pray that as we look at a portion of Scripture like this that encourages us to be people who pursue peace, even though we live in the midst of a divisive world, we pray that we would understand what's behind this portion of Scripture and what You're communicating to us in it and how we're to live it out so that we bring glory to Your name and build one another up in Christian fellowship and in Christian love. And we just thank You, Lord, for the privilege to be able to look at these things together now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in some ways, You are wiser you are stronger, you are smarter, and you are more experienced than others uh, in certain areas of life, you have advantages that many other people do not possess, and there are two ways that we could look at our blessings and and our advantages. We could treat these advantages like they make us superior to others or we can humbly acknowledge that every advantage that we possess has been given to us as a gift from a benevolent creator with the goal that we will serve others with the advantages that he's chosen to give us. And likewise, if we're honest, we also need to acknowledge that there are those who have greater wisdom and greater strength and greater faith and greater insight and greater experience than we do. And hopefully they're using their advantages to bless us, but unfortunately, many people can at times selfishly flaunt their gifts instead of using them to bless the others that the Lord has placed in their life. Every day of our lives, we're given multiple opportunities to demonstrate Christ-like love uh, toward others. Every day we're given opportunities to build others up in their faith. And so when we look at a portion of Scripture like we're looking at today... I think one of the things that we're invited to be thinking about is, you know, Lord, what am I doing with these opportunities that you've given to me? What am I doing with these advantages that you've given to me? Are people being built up because they've interacted with me or are they being destroyed because we've spent time together? Are their spirits being uplifted or are they being crushed in the way that I communicate or act or interact? A mature Christian is an others centered Christian. Now, the world that we live in can be quite divisive in many different ways, but when you look at what this scripture is telling us, it tells us we've been given the privilege to promote a spirit of peace with our Christian family as we prioritize each other's lives and each other's needs and each other's growth. And when we look at this portion of scripture, we're taught to prioritize peace in the midst of a divisive world. And there's some interesting ways that the Apostle Paul stresses this when we look at this passage of Scripture. And one of the things that he shows is something that's part of the heart of somebody who pursues peace and promotes peace among their Christian brothers is that we would say, I don't want to make you fall. So if I'm prioritizing peace in the midst of a divisive world, one of the things that's going to be going through my mind as a priority is I'm going to be saying, for Christ's glory, I don't want to make you fall. Look again at what Paul says in verse 13. Let me reread that verse. It says this, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, I don't really want you to answer this question out loud, but I do want you to think about it for just a moment. When was the last time you unfairly judged somebody else? was the last time you unfairly judged somebody else. I was thinking about that this week when I uh, was preparing for today because if I'm completely honest, I have done that way more times than I would care to admit and I'm certain I've done that more times than I'm even consciously aware. I feel like this is one of those things that we can end up doing frequently without always even being aware that we're doing it. And uh, as I was preparing for today, I was just thinking about this concept and trying to wrestle with this. And I, the Lord brought to mind someone that in the past I had just really harshly judged and unfairly judged in many respects. And I think part of the reason why I had done that is because I didn't identify with their experiences. So do you ever do that? You know, if you don't identify with what somebody's gone through, if you haven't been through something similar... Um, yourself you sometimes can rush to judgment or you can you could just kind of think of things from a, a perspective that really unfairly elevates yourself over somebody else and I realized so I was just going through this and trying to think of this from an applicational and personal perspective I thought wow I have done that so many times I have unfairly judged people so many times But I've noticed that the older that I get and the more experiences that the Lord gives me and the more trials that I endure, the less I feel inclined to rush to judgment. And so I'm I'm believing that this is part of the growth that He's working in me as my faith has a longer stretch, as I've walked with Christ a little bit longer. One of the things He's been teaching me is don't rush to judgment. And when you look at Romans chapter 14 verse 13, what are we being told in this verse? We're told here that instead of immaturely judging one another, we should direct our energy toward being careful that we don't cause someone to stumble into sin. So instead of hindering a brother or a sister in their walk with Christ, we should nourish their walk with Christ. You know, that way we can use the advantages that we've been given to lift them up instead of causing them to fall. Now, I'll never forget an experience that I had when I was in junior high. If there's ever an awkward season of life, junior high is it, right? Amen. You know, like that's, I mean, w- w- is there anyone, I'm just curious, for the sake of the junior hires in this room, I want you to see the adults here for a second. Um, is there any of you that would say you would like to go back to that season of life for a pro, uh, you know, like a longer period of time? Not just for a day, but would you like to live in that season of life for a few months? Anyone? All right. I saw one hand. (laughs) I saw one hand. All right. That's, so junior hires know that this, know that we are compassionate toward you. All right. You are at, it's really, you, and you'll see this in time. When you look back at the season, you'll realize it's a very hard and it's a very awkward stretch of time. And sometimes your peers aren't going to make it easy for you. And I remember at one point, we had gym class. And uh, after we had gotten ready and we were about to go back to our classes, we're still in the locker room waiting for the bell to ring. And if you could picture how most locker rooms are, you have a bench that kind of sits like this without a back, you know, that, that kind of runs the length of the lockers. And so that bench was right behind my legs. And I, I was just standing there and, and I'd gotten ready for class and I was just waiting for the bell to ring. And out of nowhere, a guy came up to me and pushed me not just a little bit, but heaved, you know, and uh, that bench was right behind my legs. So obviously it cut my legs out, so my legs went straight in the air and I went flying and the back of my head hit those lockers so hard and, uh, and I just, I fell to the floor and it happened so quickly that I remember thinking, what just happened? I didn't even have time to process it. And really, it was one of those moments where there, you know, there's a guy who's just trying to look big. He wanted to start a fight right after gym class. I was grateful I didn't take the bait. But I remember in that moment just thinking, wow, I didn't see that coming. And here I am on the floor. So now there's a moment locked in my memory of a time when that guy forcefully made me fall. Forcefully, intentionally, with malice made me fall and it's locked in my brain and I'm certain I'll never forget it. I think there's a dent in the back of my head associated with that moment. But when you look at that, when you, like, when I think about something like that, when I, when I tie that into a portion of scripture like this that, that talks about, you know, not putting a stumbling block or not putting a hindrance in the way of a brother or sister, not doing something that's going to make them fall. I think, you know, all right, I've got something in my mind. They occupy space there of a time when someone, you know, physically speaking, made me fall. But for us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should occupy a place in the memory of others of all the times we lifted them up, not the times we tripped them up. And that's what Paul's trying to set up here in this passage, as he's talking about this idea of pursuing peace among one another. He's saying, well, all right, if I'm going to pursue peace among my brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the things I need to purpose in my heart is that I don't want to make you fall. And then he goes on to stress a little bit more here. And he, and he expresses this idea, this heart attitude of, alright, I, I don't want to make you fall, but I also don't want to grieve your heart. I don't want to make you fall, and I don't want to grieve your heart. Look at what he says in verses 14 and 15. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, when we were looking at the first portion of this chapter... You have the Apostle Paul speaking about some of the dietary uh debates that believers in the church at Rome were having. They were debating certain dietary customs and dietary restrictions. Some had grown up following the the rules, the dietary rules of uh the Jewish faith. Some had been raised in pagan households, and now as believers in Christ, they were at a season of life where it's like, all right, let's wrestle with these things, let's talk about these things. Under the old covenant you have believe. You the Jewish people taught that certain animals were unclean and shouldn't be eaten, but now under the new covenant, which Jesus inaugurated with his blood, Scripture teaches us that we are permitted to eat all animals. Now, don't you suppose if you were one of the first generation of believers living under the new covenant that that might be quite tricky to adjust to? If your whole life you had been taught don't eat certain things, and now all of a sudden. In a day, that changes. And now you're able to eat whatever you want to eat. Do you suppose that that might trouble your conscience? And that that might be a little bit challenging to get used to and to apply and understand the spiritual significance of why that was now allowed? So what, what should we do with knowledge like that? You know, if you were a believer living in the church at Rome, among people debating these things still... What should you do if you have the knowledge that you could eat whatever you want to eat, but yet you're interacting with a brother or sister whose conscience is troubled by you doing so? So, you know, if I'm permitted to eat something, but I discover that it would grieve your heart for me to eat what I believe I'm permitted to eat, should I still eat it or should I refrain? Would it be loving of me to cause you grief? That's kind of what Paul's trying to get at here. He said, you know, the idea, would it be loving for us to cause one another grief? Would it be loving of me to become puffed up with my own knowledge or, or puffed up with my own understanding and then flaunt that knowledge in front of you without any, without any concern or with any, uh, forethought for how it might trouble your conscience? When I look at these verses, and when I think about this from the bigger perspective of our day-to-day lives, one of the things that I, that I come right back to is this idea, all right, life has. there's a lot of grief in life. You know, in the midst of your life, in the midst of my life, there are times that you and I, we experience grief. Life has plenty of seasons of grief. And during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, He experienced grief as well. And yet in love, Jesus, who knows all things, He gave Himself as a sacrifice for us while we were still living in a state of ungodliness. And at the cross, Jesus took our sorrows upon Himself, and He took our grief upon Himself, and He offers to compassionately bear our burdens. So if we are needlessly and recklessly causing each other additional grief, can we say that we've come to a spot where we've learned to appreciate what Christ has done on our behalf? If I'm still grieving your heart without any concern for the impact I'm having on you, can I truly say that I've come to a spot where I've learned to appreciate what Christ has done on my behalf? That's what Paul's encouraging us to wrestle with here. I don't want to grieve your heart. If I'm pursuing peace among us, then one of the desires of my heart needs to be the fact that I don't want to grieve your heart. Now Paul goes on a little bit further here, and he also gives us another picture of something that we ought to be aware of, and that's this, I don't want to tear you down. If I'm pursuing peace among my brothers and sisters in Christ, that means I don't want to tear you down. Look at what he says in verse 16 down to verse 19. He says, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. I love that line. So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual Upbuilding. How many years has it been now since Hurricane Sandy? Has it been about five-ish years, something like that? Uh, I think it's been somewhere in that vicinity. And I remember when Hurricane Sandy came through the area and we had all sorts of winds. I don't know what kind of damage you guys had to your property, but when the wind started whipping up, it ripped all the stuff off my deck. And I thought to myself, why didn't I put all that stuff away? I don't think I took the warnings very seriously but that wasn't as big of a deal as when it ripped the gutters off the back of my house and then knocked my fence down i was like all right so the the storm was done the gutters are hanging off the back of my house everything that was on my deck is kind of scattered around and i don't have a fence anymore you know backyard just wide open and i looked at that and i was like all right what a mess and so you know we began cleaning up the mess but then one of the things i had to do after that was Alright, first I had to get the gutters fixed, so I got the gutters repaired. And then after that, I thought, alright, I gotta get somebody here to fix the fence, and the fence was kind of a big project. And so I had an estimate, and, you know, the man looked at that, and he's like, alright, this is what's going to, you're gonna need to do, uh, to put a new fence in. And so we made an appointment for the day when that would come. And then they came, and, you know, a team of men spent all day And even longer than they had estimated rebuilding my fence. And they were digging spots for the new posts in the backyard and discovering how rocky the soil in my yard was. And so they're, they're digging around there and they're pulling these big rocks out. And I felt bad for them. So bad that at lunchtime, I thought, I I need to buy these men hoagies, you know? So I went down to the deli. I bought everybody hoagies. And, um, and I was like, all right, hopefully this energizes them to, to finish this project. And uh, and at the end of the day, they had to bring in an extra man to finish the project up before they lost daylight. It ended up being that arduous. And I was thinking about it. How long did it take for the hurricane to knock that fence down? A moment, right? Just a strong enough gust of wind, and boom, that fence was down. And I watched a team of men spend an entire day, effectively plus some, and have to call in reinforcements. To rebuild the fence. So what took a moment to destroy took a team of men, an entire work day plus, to rebuild. People are quite similar. It only takes a moment, just a moment of time, just a quick little, you know, just speck of a moment to tear somebody down. But it takes time, and it takes effort and it takes thought to build somebody up. And so with that in mind, the Apostle Paul stresses here in these verses that the kingdom of God is not about needless arguments and debates that really just tear people down. That's not the essence of the kingdom of God. And isn't it sad when we at times treat the kingdom of God like that's the essence of it? Or when our brothers and sisters treat the kingdom of God like the essence of the kingdom of God is needless arguments that really are just designed to to tear others down? It's not the idea here. I mean, sometimes when I watch the news and sometimes when I see our perspective reflected on that, I think, okay, you understand that the kingdom of God is not about a needless argument. The kingdom of God is not about winning every debate. You know, the kingdom of God is not about tearing people down over needless arguments. And in this context here, you have the believers arguing over food preferences. Food preferences. Now, I don't know if you've got any picnics going on. I know some of you said you got some picnics going on this afternoon. Maybe some of you have picnics going on uh, tomorrow. Um, tomorrow we'll be getting together with a, a, a group of friends from college that uh, we've gotten together with on Memorial Day for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, I I, sh- I need to be careful about this because I know that the message is being recorded. But i I got to tell you, um, they like seafood, and I don't. Now, I've tried to end the friendship, but they keep inviting us back to their house on Memorial Day, and I, I can't stand seafood. I don't know if you like, I know some of, Rose is all sad for me right now. She's like, how can you not like seafood? Rose, did you ever meet my former friend, Rose? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> She's one of those people that likes seafood. And now we laugh, right? We laugh, but do you know that that would have been one of the categories that the people were, were debating here? They're like, you can't eat that stuff. Can 't eat that under the old covenant. Look what it says about shellfish and things of that nature. Why are you eating this? Maybe i 'm still am I trying to live under the old covenant what 's my problem rose what 's the deal? And we look at this and do you, do you ever realize how how inconsequential most arguments tend to be among us as believers? And here you have the church they 're arguing over food they 're arguing over now obviously it had a deeper significance in their mind than that but at at its heart you know what paul's saying here he's like listen you know the kingdom of god is not about eating and drinking like that's not the essence of the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is deeper than that it's the righteousness and the peace and the joy of the holy spirit the fact that the holy spirit will empower righteousness within all who believe in jesus christ the fact that the Holy Spirit will empower us to have a spirit-empowered temperament toward one another, to demonstrate that we have been welcomed into the family of God, to develop a reputation uh, among their brothers and sisters in Christ of building people up instead of tearing people down. These are the things that the Apostle Paul was saying that we as believers should be known for as we interact with one another. He's saying the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness. It's about peace. It's about joy in the Holy Spirit that you have as one who trusts in Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, look, if my goal, if my desire is to pursue peace, particularly as Christ has inaugurated this peace, particularly as Christ is our peace, if my desire, if my goal is to pursue peace, then it should also be my desire to say, right, I don't want to tear you down. I don't want to tear you down. I should lose the flavor of wanting to do that. I should lose the taste of wanting to do that. I don't want to tear you down. One other thing that Paul brings up in this portion of Scripture I think is very easy and very applicable. uh, to our uh, Not easy to practice necessarily, but easy to understand in the sense that we can see how this um, clearly applies to our day-to-day lives. Is this, the idea of I don't want to violate your conscience or mine. You know, if we're trying to pursue peace among one another, then the idea is, look, I don't want to violate your conscience. And I don't want to violate my conscience as I interact with you. Look at how he says this in um, verse 20 down to verse 23. He says, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts, so he's talking here about this idea of violating conscience now. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Something that I have learned, and this is something that the Lord's made very clear in my heart and very clear in my mind over the the past group of years in particular, but something that I've learned to value more and more as I've grown older is the importance of living with a clear conscience. Now, I know when uh, you have a... A pulpit, right? When you have a public platform, some people would say you're not really. You need to be careful with what weaknesses you admit to people in a public forum, and I don't think I'm super careful with that always. <laughs> so take this for what it is, because this will be one of those things that you know. I think to myself, well, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't always know how what people think of me after I, I share things like this, but I I feel the need to share it anyway. But I remember uh, several years ago, it's about oh, I'd say if I had to guess. Maybe four and a half-ish years ago, something like that. I went through a season where, do you ever go through a season where you, you just feel abnormally depressed? And you wish you could pinpoint why, but you're, you're just feeling it. And you, and, uh, you know, for a while there, I was going through a season where I was like, I, I had, I didn't like admitting that to myself, but I was like, I, I'm legitimately depressed. I'll put on my happy face in public. Right? And try and portray the fact, oh, everything's going fine. And I always find it much easier to talk about things like that well after the fact. So if you noticed, you know, four and a half years ago, I wasn't mentioning that in a sermon, right? Wasn't like, hey, everybody, good to see everyone. I'm ridiculously depressed today. But I'm going to do my best to make sure that you don't see any evidence of that whatsoever. But I went through a stretch of time where I, I really was feeling depressed and it was getting, I mean, you know, I've had different seasons of my life where that was the case. But in this particular season, I was like, this is miserable. Like, I just feel like garbage. And I was, I was feeling that way every day. And it was one of those things where in the morning I, I was having to say, all right, like, you have to get up. And I found myself doing things like um, I have a, a, a basement, you know, just like a I have a basement office in my house, uh, but it's like a finished room down in the basement and sometimes I like to work down there but I noticed that in addition to doing work down there the couch that was down there sometimes I just lay on that couch in the dark I just lay there in the dark and just kind of try and pretend like my problems weren't real right you know just trying to escape that so that's the kind of depression I was feeling at that time and it was miserable and I didn't like it and so I try and be introspective I try and be analytical of myself and I was trying to examine my life and and wrestle with, why do I feel this way? You know, where did this come from? Why do I feel this way? And when you ask the Lord to show you things, you know what He likes to do? He likes to show you things, right? The Lord seems to have this habit of answering prayers when they're offered in faith. And I asked the Lord for just for help, for clarity. Help me understand, why do I feel this way? And in the midst of, and there were certainly you know some external factors I could point to that That definitely could be things that that triggered how I felt. But he also showed me something else that I didn't necessarily want to admit to myself, but I was glad that he kind of forced me to. And so it made me kind of grateful for this season that I was going through. But I recognized that there was an area of my life where I was violating my conscience and trying to pretend like I wasn't. That there was something that, like, and, and, you know, really, like, I mean, I'm assuming that this world would probably think nothing of this, right and uh, but in my mind, I knew it's like no, you know that that violates your conscience, and yet you try and pretend that that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because you know that that's something that, that, that that's not in line with the Lord's will, and if it's not in line with the lord's will, it doesn't belong in your life, and if it doesn't belong in your life, you need to you just you know what does scripture say like if you notice sin in your life, if you notice sin in your heart. You know, whether no one else even notices it, whether it's even just something in your mind, what do you do? Do you nurture it or do you crucify it? Well, Scripture says crucify it, right? Don't just nurture it, don't hold on to it, don't hug it and, and rock it. Crucify it. And I began to realize that part of the reason I was feeling like garbage is because I had gone through a protracted period of time violating my conscience. And you can't do that and still feel good in the end. I don't believe the Holy Spirit will let you feel good about that. And so I thought, alright, you know what I need to do? I need to confess to the Lord. I need to repent. And I need to be careful about what I allow to occupy my life or my thinking or any, and just any aspect of my life. I, and I, I remember going through a season where I was like, alright, Lord, like, I'm identifying this now and I'm confessing to You That this is something that, this isn't in line with your will, so it doesn't belong there. And if it's not in line with your will, I I don't want it as part of my life. And it was a beautiful and refreshing experience to watch that fog lift. And it's one of those things that I think sometimes we as believers wrestle with this thought that we want to portray ourselves as perfect to one another, And that's such a foolish thing to do because it's effectively saying, I'm just as good as Jesus. In fact, I'm so good, I don't even need Jesus. Jesus is just an option for me. You need Jesus. But for me, He's optional. Right? That's ridiculous. That's garbage. Every single one of us, we wrestle with all sorts of things all the time. And the fruit of a mature faith is when you get to the spot where you can say, "All right, Lord, daily, I want to be a man who confesses and repents of something. I want to I want to be open about these things so that I walk with freedom in your light not in the darkness of sin. I don't want to invite things into my mind or into my life that are going to to that the ultimate fruit of that is going to be depression because I've now violated my conscience. And here when you look at this portion of scripture what's Paul encouraging us to do? Well, we're encouraged to be people who aren't violating other people's consciences, and we're not violating our own. And the ways in which consciences were being violated here, again, it might seem like a trivial matter, like food debates, dietary debates, but in this context, it wasn't. Again, from the world's perspective, didn't seem like a big deal. But inside the hearts of those who were flaunting the fact that they, they're like, hey, under the New Covenant, we could eat whatever we want. But then doing that in front of somebody who wasn't at that spot where they understood that yet, Instead of being patient with them and coaching them through this. I remember, I don't know what your uh, opinion is about eating meat on Friday during the Lenten season. My conscience isn't troubled by any means, uh, you know, uh, by eating meat uh, on any day, frankly, um, twice a day. But the—but uh, I remember at one point, the first time I noticed somebody uh, and their conscience was really troubled by this. I was having lunch with somebody. And um, it was a Friday. It was during Lent. And uh, he had a ham sandwich and he was sitting there and he's eating it and he got about two or three bites in and he paused with a mouthful of food and he's like, it's, it's Friday. He's like, oh no. And I was like, what? What's the problem? He's like, it's Friday. And I was like, sure is. What are we getting at here? And he's like, no. He's like, I'm, I've got like a mouthful of ham. I'm eating meat. I was like, oh. Oh. And he's like, "Now what do I do?" And I, I was like, "In my so I'm not troubled at all by that." I'm like, "You finish your sandwich, or you give it to me." Those are your two, you know, those are your two options. And uh, this is what he did. He he took what I think he took what he had in his mouth out. He didn't continue eating the sandwich, and then he went back up and he bought a tuna sandwich because fish isn't meat somehow. Uh, and so, so that's what he did. And uh, I remember I, I thought in that moment, I was like, okay, just because my conscience isn't bothered by that, I need to just shut my mouth and not say a word and not talk about this and just let my friend operate according to the dictates of his conscience without, without turning this into a debate. Just show respect for him you know for him this was a moment where you know he looked at this as an an like a, an idea of reverence toward god and since this was an a moment of reverence toward god my goal isn't to say well you understand that that's not but zip it stongi right zip it say nothing don't violate his conscience because if you violate his conscience you've also now violated your conscience show love for your brother Paul speaks of the importance of living with a clear conscience when we look at this passage. And so he was instructing believers to live with a clear conscience while also being careful not to violate the conscience of others. And again, the specific issue at hand, it's dietary in nature, but what he's saying here is if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, listen to Him. If the Holy Spirit is prodding your conscience to do something, say something, or value something, pay attention if He's cautioning you to be sensitive to the state of spiritual development that somebody else is at, proceed carefully. Your preferences are not more valuable than the consciences of those Christ has called you to serve. That's what Paul's trying to get at here. He's trying to teach the church to think of others above ourselves. Why is he trying to teach the church to do that? Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. He thought of us and our needs above his own comfort. A missionary I met some years ago was speaking with me about some experiences that he had while he was serving in different cultures. And these were experiences that stretched him. These were experiences that challenged him. These were not easy things for him to deal with. But many of those experiences involved eating unfamiliar and unappetizing foods. And so he was telling me about this, and I thought it was pretty funny. He had some interesting stories. That would stretch just about any of us. But while he was talking about this, he repeated a phrase to me that someone had mentioned to him years before, and it stuck in my mind. And even though it was about, you know, food, it has a deeper application than that. He said this where, this was his mantra now. He's saying, Wherever he leads, I will follow, and whatever he feeds, I will swallow. Wherever he leads, I will follow. Whatever he feeds, I will swallow. I was like, that is, is that, I don't know if missionaries, like if that's in missionary handbook, like, you know, 101 or something like that. Um, you know, I'm sure it's probably one of the first things missionaries are taught. But at the same time, I thought, wow, what a great statement. Wherever he leads, I'll follow. So I'm going to be obedient. Lord, you say go in a direction, I'm going to go in that direction. And when I get there, whatever you feed, I'm going to swallow. I'm not going to offend someone who shows me hospitality. I'm not going to be an offense to those that you've called me to serve. And so when I heard that converse, when I had that conversation with that man, it was a great reminder to me that if need be, I need to be willing to give up my liberties and my preferences if exercising them would violate the conscience of somebody else that the Lord had called me to build up. Valuing the conscience of another person is a visible mark of spiritual maturity. So looking at this passage here, Paul concludes this passage by teaching us that, that whatever we do, it needs to proceed from faith, that our beliefs are always at the root of our behaviors, that every action we take, every word that we speak, it should all be the outpouring of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And anything that we say or do that is not the fruit of genuine faith in Christ is by nature sin. So in Romans 14:23, Paul says it this way, he says, "But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever he does, or excuse me, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin." So this is to say that if we continue with any action, even though the Holy Spirit is prodding our conscience not to, we're sinning against the Lord, we're sinning against ourself, and we're likely sinning against our Christian family. We proceed with any action that violates our conscience. We proceed with any action that isn't the fruit of genuine faith. We're sinning against the Lord, sinning against ourselves, sinning against our Christian family. But thankfully, through faith in Christ, the Scripture reveals to us we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to pursue peace with each other instead of contributing to the division and the destruction that's present in this world. So we don't need to make each other fall. We don't need to grieve each other's hearts. We don't need to have uh, uh, this, I, this uh, uh, practice of tearing one another down. That doesn't need to be what we do. and We don't need to violate one another's consciences. Again, and I'll say this as we finish up this morning, as Paul said in Romans 14, verses 18 and 19, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for the privilege that You have given us to be able to spend time together this morning looking at Your Word and just meditating on the things that You've revealed to us here. Thank You for speaking these things through the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome. Thank you for helping us to recognize what you've done on our behalf and how that's supposed to be modeled and lived out in our day-to-day lives. Lord, we know that at times it can be very easy for us to pursue our own selfish ambitions, and when we pursue our own selfish ambitions, that doesn't produce peace. It just produces division. It produces destruction. It tears people down, and it's not of you. But You tell us to walk by faith. You tell us to walk with a clear conscience. You even show us from our own experiences that we are not going to feel so good if we violate that conscience. So Lord, we pray that if there's something right now that by the power of Your Holy Spirit You're making it clear to our minds and to our hearts that we need to confess to You, that we need to repent of, that we wouldn't even hesitate for another second to repent of these things. We pray that right now, Lord, as we're praying as a group, that we would just confess it to You. As messy and as untidy as many of these things may be in our minds and in our hearts, I'm sure we don't have them all resolved, but at the same time, Lord, we just pray that we confess these things before You. Rejoice in the cleansing that You offer us. That we would walk by faith that we would demonstrate the heart of Your Son, Jesus Christ, because that's the new heart that You have given us through faith in Him. So Lord, thank You for these reminders. We're grateful that as we've been looking through the book of Romans and seeing so much theological depth in the early chapters, that now we get to see how these things are lived out as we get to the later chapters. You show us what we're supposed to do with this content that You've revealed to us. And Lord, it's not not of You for us to puff ourselves up with knowledge and then to fail to live out the Christian life with love toward one another. So Lord, by Your grace, we pray that we would pursue peace. By Your grace, we pray that we would put You first in all areas of life. By Your grace, we pray that we would ultimately just be about Your work. That we would glorify Your name and that others would be edified and built up through interacting with us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of your Word today. We pray that you'd speak it to our hearts and help us to live it out. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com, and if you're not on our newsletter list, be sure to click the link to sign up right there on the front page of the website. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care.